0: Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are proud sponsors of Brews News. And more specifically, this and this is Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitcham, and joining me, as he often and in fact always does, Matt get G'day, Matt. Usually does. Yes. Good morning, Pete. How are you? Good. I, I Brews News Weeked at this. I think I good brews. Newsed it last week. Did you? From memory. So I wrote down. I I changed. I altered my notes so that I remember. Well, because there was new new copy given us. You know, new year, new copy, same sponsor. Thank you very much to to Cry Malt. Um, and I thought, oh, hang on, did I say Good Brews Week instead of Brews News Week?
1: Mate, if people are listening to it, they've found us. They know who we are.
0: That's it exactly. And let's face it, we shit at marketing. there you know yeah it's one of the, it's that old thing isn't it? you know just do do what you do do well stick to your knitting and and just yeah let, let other people the stuff that they do better let them do it let's talk about other people's marketing and not a focus on our <laughs> own <laughs> exactly uh how do you want to start off we've got a, a little bit of news to get through with some interesting um uh trends developing and um some some interesting news to come up but um this time of the year, it always seems to be, mate, that we uh, we get talking about the uh, the Hottest 100, and um, I, look, I think it's a great opportunity to
1: celebrate drinking good beer. Oh, mate, look, absolutely. It, it, the discussion will be endless. Uh, we're coming up to a week out from, well, voting closes tomorrow, um, so make sure you vote early and vote often, listeners.
0: So, but yeah, by the time you've listened to this, which will come out on Friday the Friday 17th. morning. 8th. So if you're
1: listening to it, as a lot of our listeners do on their way to work the day that it comes out... Don't forget to vote. Um, I think it's midnight tomorrow night or certain time to Friday night. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's midnight on the seventeenth. 17th, Friday Seventeenth. 17th. Make sure you get out and vote. Um, be heard. Um, contribute to the discussion. Uh, you don't get to complain that it's just a, pol- uh, a popularity contest if you haven't voted. And, and how you know ridiculous it is that X beer is better than Y beer. You don't get to complain if you don't vote. That's right.
0: And don't forget hashtag. It is a popularity contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So don't complain that it's just a popularity contest, because it, it is at its core. It pretends to be nothing else other than a popularity
1: contest. And um, there, there is a there is a hint to that in the title, which is the hottest it. beer. It's, it's not. not yeah, the warmest beer. Not beers, critically it's not, acclaimed. <laughs> it's award winning. It's not the beers
0: that have. You know You don't even get a trophy. Like there's no. There's not even. There's. There's not like there's a perpetual trophy or. A, you, you do know, get, you get bragging, bragging rights, and you, you get, get a bump in sales. Exactly. <laughs> And the the joy of knowing that your beer was was voted the hottest. Hey, um, speaking of hot, because it's obviously very relevant at the moment. Um, the voting was up, I think, by around about thirty percent, as in the number the number of votes of, of voters, uh, according to Craig Williams from um, from Gabs. Um, but that may have dipped a little bit. That was a week ago or so. You were
1: saying Matt? yeah, uh, yes yeah, So I had a chat to Craig, um, just trying to find out, you know, what the trends were, and also, you know, because um, we'll be getting him on the show afterwards, um, you know, after our live show next weekend. The post game wrap up. The, the post game wrap up. We'll get him on, you know, probably in the last half hour of the show to find out, you know, what was the total votes and all of that sort of stuff that uh, you can really only find out after the, the voting's done, um, and they, you know, keep it Deloitte's or whichever, you know, like top. Three accounting firm keeps these things under wrap before the envelope is held handed over. Um, but he, he was saying that uh, you know voting is up you know by a very significant thirty percent. Um, but he, he made the comment that last week was a very slow week in terms of voting. Um, and you know, musing about it, he was wondering whether it wasn't everybody was so preoccupied with the fires um, and you know weren't thinking about you know things that are considerably more trivial um than the fires you know such as voting for the hottest 100 um, which I, I, I thought was quite interesting because you don't tend to think of us becoming so preoccupied um that you're not going to vote for the hottest 100
0: yeah yeah and look it does show that you know the, the australian spirit um really comes to the fore uh, in all its glorious manifestations at, at times like this and i yeah i wonder whether people get you know i don't i don't want to revel in something that is, is just a I guess a personal indulgence to me when you know so many communities around the country um, are, are suffering you know economic and and physical loss um, and whether or not that's yeah made an effect on the, the, the or, you know the people or, who, who would normally vote in that in that last week or so
1: absolutely or, or even just you know my my you can only focus on so many things and my focus is on that that I see on my TV screen and you know in my radio um, before and thinking about that and you're not thinking about other things. So, well, which, you know, is a big part of it. It is actually probably a a nice little segue into one of the stories that we're doing. um, Ah, you noticed that I did that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: A really great story, no, a really terrific story that, um, that Claire Burnett and welcome back to the country. I hope she enjoyed her holiday. I haven't said hello to her, so I'll, I'll use this take this opportunity to say hello to her and welcome back. Hope she had a good, uh, a good break. Um, but really great to see. This story I, I thought was was terrific. Um, support local. This is the, the breweries uh, urging um, as the bushfire closures continue. Uh, breweries specifically in the Victorian high country are urging beer drinkers to support them and others by stocking and buying beer from breweries affected by the bushfires um and tourism northeast has joined the calls to spend with them which which i guess is like the um the uh MTSC concept um, uh, but suggested ways which uh, you know people wanting to support businesses affected by the fires can help local businesses get back on their feet um, after the immediate danger has passed. And this is this is the hard bit, Matt, because you know, as a as a former emergency services volunteer, um, you're very aware of uh, you know making sure your your message is communicated. And obviously, from a, an emergency response point of view, it's let's make the area safe, look after the people and the properties that are already uh, in the fire zone. But then once that sort of, um, immediate threat is, is, is lowered, can you then kind of, I guess, open the gates and welcome people back into the area? Or do you say, no, look at just at the moment, you know, fire trucks are big, um, equipment plant logistics. It's big. Um, you don't want holiday makers, caravans, um, you know, Kia Seratos, plugging the, you know, the one road in, the one road out of mm. of, of small town. So, um, I think some people have been a little bit, oh, should should we go and visit now or should I go and buy a beer from a karma keg or should I go to my local pub that's doing a, you know, a, a raffle? Um, it's a a, a difficult um, conundrum and I think Claire uh, really encapsulated it really well.
1: Well, it, it, it actually came out of uh, Claire checking in with the breweries just to see how they were going and making sure, you know, to to find out, you know, that they were there, that they'd survived, that the fires were abated, and so that story just sort of fell out of out of that. Um, but it was a you know, it was a really nice story, and you know, just to take your point, Pete. Um, yesterday, when that went, um, that the story went live with what we had as the best information at the time, and including that was a comment, you know. Um, People can't come back yet, but when they can, we'd love to welcome them with open arms. And not long before that story went live, apparently there'd been a, a change. And so one of our listeners, James Davidson, who lives and works in the area, I think he even works for Tourism Northeast. Um, yes, yep. Days, right. Yeah, I've sort of emailed us straight away. So say, look, that request not to come up was lifted. Please, can you take that line out? We don't want to give anyone a reason not to come up um, because... This time of year is when the B and B's are full, and the bars, um, you know, the, the bar of Bright Brewery, for example, is full, and they make their money um, during the peak tourist. It gets them
0: through the quieter times. Yeah, it yeah, gets them
1: through the quieter times, and it, it's just gutted them. That's the best thing that we can do is spend money there. And Prof, uh, another media release that came in overnight that we really haven't had a chance to dig into too deeply, but um, the Australian brewing industry is adding to all of the activity that's uh, been announced over the Christmas period. um, They're banding together with the Resilience Beer. Uh, Now, do you remember when that was done? I think it was Sierra Nevada kicked it off when they had the California bushfires and... Eventually, yeah, that's going back. oh. Was it eighteen uh, or was it two thousand eighteen? Eighteen. Yeah, no,
0: it was the, yeah, it? Yeah, was Because the, the year after we were first there, and there was still I, I, did, I hadn't sort of heard much about it, but I'd heard of it, but hadn't heard much about it. And
1: my understanding is that Sierra Nevada came up with a recipe. They shared it. It's an open source recipe. Everyone went off and and brewed it in in their local communities, and all of the money raised went to, uh, well, I don't think I call it a bushfire over there, but to fire relief. Um, efforts and, and looking at the FAQs on the Australian version, it sounds like it's an international effort. Um, brewers are being invited to sign up for it. Um, there's going to be coordination to make sure that these things are geographically spread. There's going to be beers going out to the majors um, and uh, I, I believe that it's even being brewed internationally. So yeah, look, it, it, it's, it's just a great sign from the industry getting together and, uh, you know, because the Christmas, um, was filled with tap takeovers and, uh, karma kegs. And this is just uh, another example of industry coming together to, to, uh, do what it can. Well, this is a good way too. I think Matt probably for um, people
0: outside of the the crappier bubble, whether it be indie craft, whatever, to be exposed to something that they can say, oh, I can I can buy this, and the, the proceeds or the profits or percentage of the profits are going towards, uh, you know, assisting, not necessarily because I think pretty much um, in, in terms of the large scale uh, fundraising. Uh, efforts that have been made so far, rural fire service or CFA, those sorts of things have um, are, are being um, well catered to. But I think, like we said before, you know, in terms of using bright as a as an example, you know, you'd you'd look at your your planner, you'd look at your budget the year out and go gee, you know, we just need a good summer, and bang, things are going to go well. And meanwhile, the, um, the bakery and the bike shop and the clothes shop and the local supermarket are all thinking the same thing, and all of a sudden they're looking back going, okay, well, it was a bit of a, a bummer. This can kind of hopefully, I guess, fill that gap.
1: Yeah, and they're steering people to like, – so they've made some recommendations for where the um, – Finance raised can go. Um, you know whether it's so. The, it, just looking at the sorry,
0: to interrupt you. Out, but there's a so resilience beer is a a group that's been formed, a working party or a, a coordination, a project manager, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a fairly spontaneous coming together based on the the lead that Sierra Nevada had. Um, yeah, coming because obviously,
0: like you say, you don't you don't want all of the beer turning up in, in one geographical location, and people physically can't buy it all. You want it. You want to make sure that all the different areas are being covered I guess so there is some sort of project manager coordination there's behind central it central
1: coordination yeah. behind it um and yeah and they're sort of making sure that there's not yeah well I, I guess it's early days it's just been coming together um and at this stage they're calling for brewers to to get involved but uh yeah so I, I guess we'll be seeing resilience beers coming out but of course um there is also you know like they're the very important um you know I think Phil and Esky, um, is, is another one where you can go out. Yeah, Empty Esky. Empty Esky. Um, yep. There's a couple of uh, great charities to, to sort of go out and you know get out into the fire-affected regions as well and spend money yep. in, in there. So, uh, but it, it's but so given
0: our, given that our reach, particularly through Good Brews Week and uh, Australian Brews News more widely, is primarily the prosumers, as we like to call them, and uh, also most of the industry, i, I- particularly brewers, um, so brewers can register, your get interest, online or register... Yeah. Expression of interest, and then the committee or the project coordinator will take it from there?
1: Yep, I presume so. Yeah, so we only got the media release last night, so we're still uh, getting to the the bottom of everything. But uh, get in touch. If you're interested, get in touch. Um, I I guess if you're a venue, you can register your interest in um, taking uh, the the beer once it's available. And as a consumer, look out for it um, when it comes. Excellent. Matt, speaking of beer as we often do, um, Royal Queensland Beer Awards
0: coming up. Uh, entries close on the 31st of January. So um, a shout-out to – and not just to Queensland brewers, but obviously Queensland brewers, uh, I guess, have the the most uh, to gain. Uh, and it, it's obviously easier for them to well, it's easier, support yeah. their own, their own uh, local, local beer awards. Um, yeah, so 31st of January. Yeah. Um, uh, it is the cutoff off for uh, for entries?
1: Make sure you get out and and do it. Um, your head steward again? Or is it chief, Stewart? chief, Stewart. chief yep. steward? Chief steward. Chief steward. Yeah. Some amazing, like really good judging panel from what I've seen. Um, they're doing the desal beer again, um, which is a really interesting. I, I love the the um, thinking behind this. Is you know again while we're talking about. Um, resilience and you know the the, you know, the issues around the, the, the bushfires um you know water is a precious resource and if we can use recycled water um you know th- that's a, a great initiative to normalize the, the use of recycled water and get it in beer so uh
0: I, that's th- it and th- that i think is the the really important bit matt is that it's uh, it's not just a i guess a um Call to arms for the brewing community. It also um, it lends some mainstream support to. Oh, actually, well, geez, if you can if you can make a, an award winning beer out of desalinated water, then maybe I can accept it. You know, either in my business or um, you know, at, at home, that sort of thing. Because um, obviously, Queensland. It's a fairly big state, man. I don't know if you
1: noticed. And, uh, <laughs> and a lot of it's, you know, fairly well, I'm, by I'm closer, most of the year. <laughs> I'm um, closer to you at the moment than I am to uh, the Hemingway's Brewery, where we'll be next weekend.
0: Uh, that's right. By what? 23 kilometres or so? About 23 kilometres, I think we discovered. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, no, that, no, that was from the Gold Coast. But, yeah, Actually,
1: but you're on the south side of Melbourne, so maybe that... If you're twenty three kilometers out of Melbourne, yeah, I'm, I'm well. I'm twenty three k's out of the <laughs> Okay, city. yeah, so there you go.
0: Anyway. So yeah, get your get your entries in. So for particularly Brisbane brewers, but also for those brewers, um, I think uh, there was Blackmans, there was Stone and Wood, there was a few um, out of uh, the Australian Brewery um, who uh, entered beers in last year from out of from out of Queensland. Uh, would be great to see um, those uh, breweries back in again for this year, and a great response for our uh, of house. Uh, stewarding staff um, right and just a just a quick shout out again that there's a great opportunity for uh, for people who are genuinely interested in, in beer and who perhaps look at want to look at taking that next step and becoming an associate judge and then down the track a judge we've already got a couple of um, opportunities this year for uh, for people who have been helping out in um, in a volunteer capacity to sit in on on some sessions and uh, take the next step in in becoming an associate judge for the uh, for the Royal Queensland Beer Awards so uh, if you have Registered an expression of interest. Uh, we'll be getting in contact with you shortly. Once you know Christmas and New Year and everything's all out of the way, and we've got a bit of clear air, we'll send out some stuff.
1: But um, yeah, if you'd like to be involved, um, keep an eye out. Excellent. So yeah, do that. And actually, I think one of the, the, the they're running a beer festival as well. Um, so it's, it's consumer. So they, they've really looked at how they can make this uh, awards have. Consumer out, you know, um, good outcomes for the, the businesses that win. So it's not just you get to put a bit of bling on your, you know, bottle or it's your next, yeah. um, If you enter, I think you get free entry to the um, consumer day. Um, so it's essentially a beer festival where you get to sell beer. And I think you get to keep 100% of. The takings, or, you, or there's a small percentage, a much smaller percentage. The most beer festivals taken out to just to cover the yeah, cost? I think um, there's
0: a fair there's a fair chunk that you you get to keep, and then there's a small percentage of um,
1: of after that. But also, you get to nominate. I think now, Phil, the organizer, who's a listener will um, let me know if I've got this wrong, and I'll correct it. But I think there is also they're looking for. Um, essentially, a, inverted commas drinkability would that will be you know the, the the best. So you can you don't have to brew a beer specially, but if one of your beers you've entered you think you know is just a shoe in for um, a consumer um, and media panel to decide what's the most drinkable beer, or the you know most you know the, the perfect beer for for a day at the Ecker. Um, you can just sort of tick a box next to that as well. And I th- I th- there are, I think there's a potential that it can be poured at the the Ecker, or certainly uh, used um in that sense so really good outcomes not just the you know the cost of entering the awards there is you know potentially some great outcomes for uh brewers that have made some good beers yeah that's right yeah so get your entries in now
0: speaking of beer matt Uh, do we do that (laughs) or or something we don't often talk about but uh, i did notice um that we've got a story here uh the headline which reads iwsr wine consumption in the u.s declines for the first time in 25 years Total um, wine in the U.S. decreased in 2019 for the first time in 25 years, posting a a 0.9% volume loss from the year prior, according to preliminary figures released this month by IWSR, Drinks Market Analysis, who are the leading authority on data and
1: intelligence on the global beverage alcohol market. Yeah, just before people start emailing, because we do get a couple of comments and just, you know, that good humored We
0: get complaints. Why don't you talk about wine?
1: Well, well, no, well, oh, no we, I don't know. Oh, well, again, hopefully they're not complaints because <laughs> that's not our audience. But you know, we, we do get those little ribs, you know, um, that we love to talk about hard seltzer and wine. But the the reason that we do that is because you can't separate. You know, whilst we love beer and beer is our drink of choice and the nominal topic of this podcast, it doesn't operate in a vacuum. Um, you know, if if there are trends in the wine industry they affect the beer industry. And one of the biggest trends that's going on is hard seltzer. Um, and it's not only going to be affecting the, the beer industry, it's affecting wine. So talking about this um, with our very heavily industry skewed audience, um, the it, 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 it's just one of those things that we talk about because it is a, a, an important thing that they are going to have to navigate. Um, and I, I, the IWSR, I thought it was a wine research body, but it's I think it's a drinks industry body, research body itself. But they came up with some interesting um, stats because it's not just wine that's gone down, um, beer volume in the U.S. was down by 2.3 percent, as was cider 3.8 percent. Distilled spirits and ready-to-drink products continued to post gains of 2.3 and 49.7 percent, respectively. Um, sure. So that's the hard seltzer, despite yeah, decreases yeah. in the beer category, which represents a lion's share of the alcohol sold in the U.S. So obviously, that's you know a, a, what a 2.3 percent sale in the beer sector is a huge volume, even though it's a small number. Whereas a 49% growth in, you know, seltzer. A small base, yeah. Off a small base is a huge number, but, you know, I, I don't know how that compares in terms of. Actually, I do know how that compares in terms of volume, or in, certainly in terms of dollars, because when I was looking into it, um, Rob McMillan, uh, executive vice president of Silicon Valley's wine division, told Wine Searcher, again, looking at these figures, and they released their own report, um, he said that. Hard seltzer was up to 14 billion in total sales last year, according to Nielsen, after selling under 5 billion in uh, 2018. For a little perspective, Nielsen estimates that just 14.4 billion in wine sold in restaurants in the past year. So, hard seltzer in total sales last year already matches the wine sold in restaurants over that same period. So wow. there's not too much longer that we can say, um, you know, hard seltzer off a small base um, the way yeah. we can off alcohol free beer still, for example, but you know, it, it, it it's a major thing. And, you know, again, at my little, uh, you know, don't quote me on this, but um, emails, which I love, keep them coming uh, because it does give us the insider's view. And we know that not everything can be um, attributed or quoted or, you know, but that should be discussed. Um, there are, you know, expect uh, twenty twenty, the summer of twenty twenty, to be, uh, you know, late twenty twenty, to be the summer of seltzer um, in in Australia. Um, apparently, a number of you know craft breweries, including independent craft breweries, are going to be uh, getting out there with hard seltzers. Matt, I
0: listened to uh, a Brewbound podcast uh, over the holidays, and. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Justin who we were lucky enough to to meet up with in um in Denver mm-hmm. and had a, a really good chat with, um, made the comment that uh, in the same way that we used to talk about, you know it was a microbrewery or it was a boutique brewery, uh, then it became a craft brewery, then it became an independent brewery. He's saying, you know perhaps over the next 18 eight, eight months, two years, whatever it might be, we'll actually be referring to a a um, a, a maker of craft beverages rather than a than even talking about a brewer or a craft brewer, we'll talk about you know a um, a creator or a maker or a brewer of craft craft beverages. So it can include those hard teas, the hard seltzers, the distilled products, uh, whatever it might be, ciders as well as as well as beer. So so getting out of that, let's stop talking about or stop thinking about ourselves as a brewery as you know as such which which I thought was a really interesting um, why looking, you know, at the, the nomenclature, if you like.
1: Well, that was a takeaway that we got from Garrett from Maui Brewing when we were in Denver last year. Yeah, yeah. He very much talked about that. But again, I just can't see – when you look at the passion that's built up around the craft beer community that's driven um, – you know, we, we always used to love um, our local brand – at, you know, forex like you're a forex man or a VB man, and I think I can say yeah. that because it typically Based was on your state borders. But, yeah. I, but I think it was, and I think you can also say man in this case because it was a, a very blokey beverage. Um, so it was a brand, but it was our feeling about the brand more so than the, um, you know, the the truth behind the the brand. Particularly once forex and VB and things all came to be owned by multinationals. Um, yeah, back then a, it, was,
0: it was a badge. It was a badge of, you know, I'm a proud Queenslander or I'm a proud New South Welshman.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and brand is as much about the consumer as it, you know, it's the values that the consumer holds that they see reflected in the, in the product. I, I, but I see that the rise of craft beer and you look at the passionate discussions that um, fueled what is craft beer and, you know, around contract brewing and, you know, those things about what is the integrity in, in, in the product – I just see that that will be lost. You know, those passions that really drove the category and got people, you know, whilst people, consumers were passionate about Forex and they were a Forex person, Forex didn't inspire anybody that I can think of to go, you know, gee, I love this beer thing. You know, I, I love little creatures. I want to make beers like this um you know which a whole lot of brewers were inspired by little creatures and these days there's a whole generation of brewers that have been inspired by brew dog or other beers that was because there was such a passion and such an emotional investment and such an excitement in the category that i think benefited the, the craft beer industry once we start becoming drinks businesses I think that is lost, and the small businesses are going to suffer because it goes back to being much more about brand, um, and 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 you can see that now where um, you know a whole lot of the spirits businesses that have sprung up, the craft spirits, and not all of them, but some of the some of the big successful ones, you know, they buy in their ethanol um, and flavour it, um, or they go through a process it's targeted at making their own, but they're much more about being a brand company than they are about being, you know, a a craft gin industry or a craft whiskey industry. It's going back to and benefiting the bigger players um, who can get scale and can advertise. And that's just where I worry a little bit. I can understand the need for it. It's great business um, as consumers want to drink these hard side, hard seltzers. um, There's going to be a lot of, commercial pressure, um, but I think that makes you know definitions of what is craft beer or what is an independent brewer, for example, um, much less relevant and is going to hurt a lot of small players. In the story, there was a, an interesting insight that Rob McMillan from uh, Silicon Valley's uh, Bank's wine division, uh, wine cellar, the, the point he was making was, look at snack foods today, you'll see they often come in 100 calorie packages. Why is that? Because young consumers are conscious about their health and weight is a fact in living a healthy life. What is the lowest calorie mixed drink at a bar? Vodka and soda. How many calories in a vodka and soda? 60. How many calories in a glass of wine? You really don't know. And he talks a little bit about, it's ironic that a manufactured product like hard seltzer, which isn't even seltzer, could somehow be perceived as healthier and more natural than wine. White-claw sales continue to skyrocket. And then somebody from Wendt Family Estates, Amy Hoops, um, those seltzers went out and spoke the language that consumers were looking for. I'm on a keto diet, Amy said, and I'm limiting my carbs. We don't but we don't promote wine as low carb we don't say it's gluten-free um, and I think that's a you know I've railed against gluten-free beers for a long time because they're not healthier for you but from a marketing perspective if consumers looking for low carb and you're speaking low carb um, and that that is a competition that beer has in an in, in industry where healthfulness comes in yeah for sure well I've
0: got to um, and would talking parochialism um do you want to talk through the the story of that the, we posted about uh, the queensland brewers having their say on on the new licenses which i think
1: is pr- pretty uh, important and relevant yeah 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 just a, just important and um, community uh, um, affairs announcement um the queensland government craft beer strategy that i've been a little bit critical of in the past actually seems to have come out and um you know they're consulting the industry on looking at um Policy changes around the license, um, which I, I do have to say, profit initially wasn't even in the craft beer strategy, um, and I was banging them about it, you know, on on radio when the craft beer strategy um, and the minister came out and said, "Oh yes, okay, well we, we are also looking at um, licenses," so this is a big win for craft brewers. So get out and say, uh, you know. If, if you notice that wine can get to a food festival and you can't, that's because of the license that they operate under. Um, and I understand that the changes mean that if you're a craft brewery, um, a small craft brewery making less than 4 million litres, you may not have to get a hotel license to sell other craft brewers' beers. Um, so you'll be able to have guest taps. So this is very much about craft, Queensland craft brewers. Being able to support other craft brewers in your tap room, um, which is a really important um, route to market uh, initiative for small brewers, um, and it, it's also great for uh, for, you, for your tap room because if you know you, you can, for example, I think even put on a small brewer from another um, place. So if you don't make a gluten free beer, you can buy in um, two bays and have a two bays tap. So your consumers who are gluten-free can have a full service while still supporting small local um, uh, breweries so if you are in Queensland I think even other breweries who stand a benefit can have their say on um, craft brewing on, on these craft brewing licenses because you can potentially benefit so um, there's a link on the in, in the show notes go and see it um, just one little um, side to that Pete there, there was a bit of a discussion that I couldn't participate in. But do you remember the the, the brewery? Um, what was it, Brisbane Brew Partners? Yes, um, yep. over that way, and you know he was going to have a five million dollars investment fund um, that wasn't a fund, and he, he he blocked me on all social media um, after I raised questions about that. Um, but he's now opening and trading. I don't think he's brewing. I don't think he's a brewery. Um, but he was complaining on, uh, you know, one Queensland brewer was encouraging everybody on his LinkedIn site to um, support this, but I saw that he was uh, um, railing against it because he's now got a hotel license and he was railing against, oh, I shouldn't have had to get a hotel license if if this was coming through. This is going to penalize me. Um, Of course, he's not actually brewing yet, so he doesn't seem to benefit, but there are a range of views and there are going to be people who are going to be complaining against it. So if you are a Queensland brewery or you stand to benefit um, from these changes, which are really positive for small independent brewers, um, get out and have your say.
0: Speaking of railing against it, Matt, ABAC advises breweries <laughs> oh, to audit social media. Oh, Yet but, but,
1: again. No, no, no. <laughs> so I thought you were going to... That could have been so much better, Pete. Speaking of rallying against something or railings well, for something... Yeah, go on. No, sl- Slot it in. Because sl- yeah. it was good. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone's noticed yet. Uh, oh. I do have to thank our good friends at Railings Labels Packaging and Stickers. If you're doing a special beer to raise money for um, fire relief, um, for example, in any way, um, and you want to sort of tell a story of how much money is going, these guys are the guys to call because they can do a small run of your label to put on that special beer to tell the story to the consumer about how you're giving everything um, involved in, in this beer. Call Rellings on one 852 235 That's one three hundred eight five two two three five 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done. In the show and, and notes... We often, we often talk about agility and,
0: and nimbleness, and um, Rellings is a great example of that. Uh, being smaller and and more agile they're able to to do those quick turnarounds for something like this that that comes up like you said you know if you want to do something for for bushfire relief and you want to put a, a special sticker you can even get a, a sleeve that goes over existing cans just so that you can sort of say here's the um particular donation source that we're sending our our profits to or whatever it might be so you can see on the on the label and they can you know do it a lot quicker than than perhaps some of the bigger
1: guys can. Exactly, exactly. So well done, and thank you to your support and helping us keep this show on the road. Exactly. Uh, so Matt are you back? the gift that just keeps on keeps on giving. Um, so no, some
0: more results this week, uh, and one. One that was upheld.
1: One that dropped, well, one that was dropped overnight. um, Another one that we haven't even reported on yet. um, Biggie Juice has apparently come under fire in in what I think you call a split decision. Um, There was a lot of complaints made. Some were upheld, some weren't. Um, We'll obviously cover that today. Um, There were some decisions. Look, Peter, I don't want to give too much time in the podcast to it, um, but ABAC announced their quarterly report. There was a summary of all of their findings um, and... One of the things that they did say is, you know, uh, go back and audit your social media. You know, if three years ago, as a young brewery, um, you weren't quite aware of the ABAC code or you didn't take it seriously, but now you appreciate the importance of it, and you might have posted some things, as some brewers have, that, you know, don't pass the sniff test, it's probably worth going back and auditing um, your past postings and and just deleting them um, before there's a complaint about you because... Having to respond to one of these complaints is a massive distraction and a waste of time. And if you can head it off just by deleting a post that you now know is inappropriate, go back and do it. Done. Actually, well, just, just one thing I will say on that. There was somebody posted, mm-hmm. uh, funnily enough, gee, I wonder if Guinness is going to get into trouble for their 50-year-old advertising saying, you know, Guinness is good for you. Which is a, you know, a good point. I think the difference is that Magazines are considered basically a dead, you know, like if you've got an ad that's five years old in a magazine, um, it's considered, you know, recycled these days. Um, Social media, um, as a lot of kids have found to their detriment, never dies. (laughs) It's always out there. And it's still current because people can go through, yeah, you don't have to go digging through a um, a musty library shelf to find it. That's it. You cannot get that genie back in the bottle. Hey, Matt, speaking of genies in bottles, have you seen... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a great big bottle of beautiful green algae liquid. Wasn't this a great story? Yes, well, yesterday when we recorded it. Um, uh, and, and funnily enough, I just happened to jump in the car and heard um, Richard from Young Henry's uh, talking about it on ABC Radio that you might be able to find um, in, in a link on your ABC listening app. But why would you when you can talk to us about it? Um, yeah, so, Pete, anyone that's ever done a brewery tour has probably seen the bubbling, um, you know, uh, pot. The result on- of fermentation. Fermentation, yeah, you know, and and the smell of CO two and there's a lot of CO two. You know, we're we're talking about CO two production and CO two in the atmosphere. And breweries do produce a lot of it, um, you know, uh, not through just the process. not not just through electricity, but through the actual brewing process. And this is a really interesting um, thing where uh, Sydney, uh, where Young Henrys are uh, part of a research study from the University of Sydney. I think it was University um, of Technology Sydney, Sydney- so UTS where well, they've got a massive bag of algae that I believe they pump the um, CO two through, and the algae feeds on the CO two. Um, so the the algae grows. I believe it puts out oxygen. Um, yeah. Well, um, there was a quote there from Lean Labue, um,
0: who's a research associate at, at UTS. One four hundred liter bag can produce as much as much oxygen as one hectare of Australian bush. So it can actually clean up a lot and provide a lot cleaner
1: air. There you go. So yeah, and so this is this is amazing. Um, uh, it's a really it's some really exciting stuff. It's 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 not a cure yet, but it looks like it's uh, showing some really good um, uh, results. And the other thing is that the algae can be used for a whole range of things. Um, so so you you're growing the algae, you end up with this bag of slime apparently, and uh, they're looking into what that can then be you know farmed. Um, and, and and turned into things like plastics and, and and other things, which is a really really exciting thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yep,
0: yeah. that's it. So reducing carbon emissions and producing food, pharmaceuticals, and even bioplastic—pretty cool stuff. And like like you said, uh, in the I think it was on the Radio Brews News Facebook group, the closed book, uh, the closed group page. Um, there was an article there, I think, or was it, it might have been in the main feed. But anyway, you said that uh, somebody said, "Oh, look, you know." Only the bigger breweries are able to do this because there 's a lot of c o two capture in, in larger breweries, and not just macro breweries but large independent breweries as well this well, is w- something that's going to be like and it 's like we, we we talk about with um, you know packaging lines and canning and and things like that never used to be available to the smaller brewers, but technology now is sort of catching up to the point where yeah we can we can make these smaller footprints and and less expensive to run and to buy. Um, this is hopefully the, the next step that something that's only been available to bigger brewers in the past will be available to smaller brewers, recapturing and reusing the um, the CO2 that otherwise would just sort of bubble off into the atmosphere.
1: Yeah, and, and that was one of the things because we did a story a couple of years ago because some of the CO2 that's used in brewing, you know, there's been CO2 shortages because of the way that it's produced. Um, you know, it comes from the manufacture of um, uh, fertiliser. Um and I said, well, hold on, there's all of this CO2 just going up in there, But apparently it's not food grade and it involves a little bit of capture and scrubbing. Yeah, scrubbing. Um yeah. to 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 get it. Um and that's been something that big breweries could do. Um but um apparently uh, actually Tom Wood, who's a brewer at Little Creatures and a regular listener, um and it, it turns out it has degrees in you know environmental science and things like that. Um so he um uh, you know, commented that they are getting smaller and that's a really positive thing. So, you know, not only do we consume, you know, through our power, but, you know, when you're producing it, the more you can capture, the, the better it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, now, Before we finish, uh, and speaking of uh, you popping up in my Facebook feed, um, I don't know whether you bought a beer, but certainly I saw a picture of a, a beer that you – yeah, we had an interesting can on and best before that. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
1: like we haven't <laughs> spoken about Stone for a little while, but it's, it, you know, it, it's It's one of those things that I do, and for listeners that have joined us, Stone is a bit of a bugbear, or, you know, bet noir um, for me that, that we do talk about. And it's nothing personal. They make amazing beers, and you know, the experience that we had at Stone Gardens last year was awesome and showed how well they're doing it in their backyard, but... Um, but there is a bit of history and you know, ten years ago um Greg Cook was railing against um not railings, but railing against um you know, the great market sale of his beers here and you know gave a whole and when I interviewed him and I just sort of took up the cudgels because I agreed with him you know he made some really really strong points that the beer wasn't going to be as good you know they were very passionate about their beer the beer wasn't going to be as good as they wanted it to be and so it was an insult to them as a as a business to drink inferior and it was embarrassing for them to drink inferior beer and if it's on sale in Australia it's going to be expensive and it's just going to sit on shelves and it's not going to be as good and uh, you know so in the very very early days um, of Australian Brews News 10 years ago, it was something that I raised. And mate, there are still retailers that are very unhappy, you know, because they were selling grey market beers, which there weren't importers at the time. There weren't as many breweries as we've got now. There weren't comparable beers that we've got now. So anyway, yeah, yeah, it's just been one of those things that has become a habit. Whenever I'm in one of the big box retailers, I just always walk past and look at the dates just to sort of see how they're going for my own interest. And one of the ones I always look at is stone beer um, because of that background. And, you know, I, I, I almost never see beer under six months um, on, on the shelves there. Um, and this was one that, you know, the, the best before date, it was two months past the best before date, which was already 12 months past the brewing date. So the the beer was brewed in 2018. It was best before November 2019. And it's, you know, there was this whole fridge full of it um, on the shelves. Um, So yeah, so I I tweeted it, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, no, I didn't tweet it. I just have shared it on our group because it's a bit of a joke for um, it's been a bit of a continuing theme on on the podcast. I didn't share it more widely. I did send a, a photo to the distributor just to sort of say, look, you know, I don't want to start any fights, but um, you know, I, I saw this. Um, yeah, and you made you made an interesting point there, Matt. Too,
0: you know, going back to 2011 and 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 Greg Cook and his views back then. Back then, people wanted stone beer because there wasn't necessarily a lot of easily available Australian beer that was that was even similar. Let alone, oh yeah, we can get that here. Now that that's really changed, um, and there's no ne- there's no necessity other than oh, I really want to drink a, a beer brewed by Stone um, to, to buy that beer now because you can you can get it from so many other breweries.
1: Yeah, and it, ever since the climate action last year, and you know, it, I've been giving a lot of thought um, to you know how we, we we can march down the street and you know with a placard that says I'm against X, you know, I'm against Adani or government do something um, but to me like that's outsourcing the, the 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 problem and you know particularly if we're asking the government to do something because you know think about it the, the craft beer industry is the, the small brewing industry is pretty inefficient um, we use a lot more water than the the, the big brewers for example I think cattler is down under two and a half liters of water used per liter I think a lot of breweries are well up over five. And if we start saying to the government, you need to do something, there's every chance that they'll come back and say, OK, well, um, drinks producers um, need to use less than X percentage of water um, for you know everything cheap. And craft brewing is in, is inherently... The, the craft brewing model as it stands now is pretty unsustainable um, because... You know, beer is a perishable product that needs to be kept refrigerated. Um, you know, we're shipping ingredients around the world. Um, and we're in, in the case of stone, we're sending something that is 90% water halfway across the world refrigerated to sit in refrigeration for 12 months. And, you know, that's... To me, that doesn't sound particularly sustainable. Um, and yeah, anyway, so to, look, there's a whole lot of issues. in that. And I think as an industry, we need to sort of stop and go, look, do we really need to be importing things that we're making incredibly well just because there's a fear of missing out? And as beer consumers, um, we can rail against and climate strike, but we need to make, ask decisions whether we want to go to tap takeovers of beers that have been flown in from Europe just so we can have some obscure juicy and put it on our untapped Um and Prof, I'm conscious that I'm probably going to get a lot of you know, an- angry responses to, 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 to that, but you know, we we need to think of you know we, we can't, responses to at email. Yeah, at- well, yeah, tweet me or, or whatever, but you know, yeah. we as businesses in the industry, as you know, individuals, as consumers, if we want to change, you know, if we want to make a difference, we need to be the difference, um, and you know, it's something that you and I have just not for any great passion as um, climate change activists or anything like that. But, you know, I remember we got in the early days of the podcast, we had a new year's resolution, all things being equal, drink the closest um, brewery. Um, And it wasn't, you know, that was just because it seemed like a good thing to do to support the local industry. But I think, you know, the more we can think about the the environmental footprint that we have at every stage of the process, and and that includes us as consumers. Do we need that beer that's Got a lot of food miles on it.
0: That's it. Exactly. Which brings us neatly, Matt, into um, the mailbag, which we've held over. We haven't done one. This is the first one for this year. So thanks very much to our friends at, uh, at Beer Cartel, who I'm sure don't um, will not send you out uh, a stone beer that's well out of date and brewed over 12 months ago. Well, no, but that's also, also why
1: we, we partner with our great friends at Beer Cartel, that we you know, a lot of our drinkers, you know, our, our listeners would, would love to try international beers, but we've asked for the, the pack to be Australian craft beer because that seems to be consistent with a lot of the conversations we have. But anyway, that, that's that's And it. thank you to our good friends at Beer Cartel for, for doing that.
0: They do. They sponsor our Letter of the Week. And don't forget, if you do hear your name read out, just flick us a, uh, an email or um, a message or whatever uh, with your postal address so that we can send you out a bruised news barblade. And uh, one lucky messenger will also win a mix six-pack thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel. Angus Norris on the Facebook group, ReGabs. He's in with a chance. I think we'll see Bolta XPA suffer less of a fall than others in recent years, uh, a combination of people who'd vote for XPA being less aware of or caring less about independence, as well as the increasing number of votes. My guess is that it will remain in the top five. So that's an interesting one. Um, the wildcard this year is the more aggressive marketing of brewers, pushing specific beers only or only registering certain beers. Um, Thirty to 35,000 votes isn't that many. Uh, whoever is able to engage their local community behind a certain beer has a real chance of cracking the top 100. Accordingly, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few smaller regional breweries make it. And, so uh, it was, that great. was apropos our discussion on, yeah, will will Bolter fall, and if so, how far?
1: And and who, who should we be speaking to? Because I think that was in response to I was asking. It was. You know, I'm starting to get the list together. Um, and uh, there's, uh, there's two things in that, because I think he makes two really, really good points. Um, but on the one hand, Bolter probably isn't, um, as enmeshed in the independence thing as breweries have been in the past, but at the same time they're also not marketing aggressively. So it'll be really interesting to see where they, where they come in. Um, and I'm actually minded of a, a, a quote that I read from Pete Brown this week. Um, it was actually about BrewDog. You know, sort of talking about you know, everyone loves to ha- hate BrewDog, but the sort of people who are enmeshed in the beer industry, Brewdog doesn't need us anymore. They're the first brand that's really gone mainstream and crossed over from that discussion. So it doesn't matter whether they're crafting or they don't need us. And uh, I, th- I think um, Angus, you know, w- it'll be interesting to see the-, the results next week will tell us. Um, is he right? Has Bolter transcended this whole independence discussion?
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, just excuse me if, the, <laughs> if, if if listeners can hear me clicking my mic- muting my microphone. There's a bloody crow that's just darked up out in the uh, in my yard, and it's funny because yesterday I was listening to uh, Ian McNally, who does the um, the chosen brew, chosen brew, great podcast, and listening to a great uh, chat with a good mate of mine, Tred Burks from um, from Bendigo Beer, and they are in the pub in the beer garden of the uh, Handlebar up in in Bendigo, and I reckon it's this same crow. He's come down to annoy me. So, apologies for the crow in the background.
1: Well, for a second, I was worried it was a vulture sort of hovering over me after some of the uh, <laughs> potentially not. Um, nah, no, they only pop, they only pop over the-
0: they only circle, circle when there's something dead in the paddock. Um or something I'm not quite. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Uh, Damien Flux in the Facebook group as well. Um, Thanks, Matt Kierkegaard, for a great night last night. I met some interesting people and had a few laughs. I would have loved to have stuck around for another beer afterwards, but it was an early start this morning. I'm sure Chuck could have kept going all night if we had time. And that's, of course... Um, Tell us about a, bit, a little bit about the um the launch of the launch of Han Premium, if you like.
1: Yeah, well, talking about us sucking at marketing. Um, yeah, like my marketing radar is just off because we we talked about it had a lot of interest. Um, last year when Chuck said, "Look, well, yeah, let, let, let's make an original batch of you know as close to the original batch of the, um, Han Premium as we can," and so we did that. Um, on Monday night, initially I was hoping to get Bernie Powers and um, yeah, maybe one or two other people on a discussion panel. Um, but Bernie had business commitments that kept him out of town on Monday night. So I thought, oh, well, we did the podcast with Chuck at the time. So there's probably no point recording that discussion over again. So I didn't, you know, I sort of thought, you know, we, we put it out relatively quietly. We didn't push it too hard. In the end, like we had 45 people in for no marketing for, for this event, and people just sort of came in and they had an amazing night. So, you know, maybe I need to back myself a little bit more with these things because we could have had an even bigger night. But um, look, Chuck, he's a legend. Um, you know, it was great to see a lot of brewers came out, Ian Watson and uh, Deal um, from Slipstream, um, some new guys from Good Times Craft Beer that's going to open um, in, in a little bit. Uh, sorry for any other brewers, I forgot. But just a re- people who came out to try this beer that, you know, made Chuck's name in Australia. And then also have a chat of the Amber Ale, which was the original craft beer from uh james squire brewery that when chuck relaunched that um and uh, just yeah uh, great people lovely night the pilsner like it you know pete it, it, it's our kind of beer you would have loved it you would have really enjoyed the beer so congratulations to alan tilden who actually did the brewing because yeah, well, Al,
0: Al, of course, at the end of the day, was the unsung hero, but the one who ended up having to do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Great idea, Chuck. Now, how do we actually do it? we well, are <laughs> not going to do it. Because <laughs> yeah,
1: that's <laughs> the, like, yeah. You know, so Chuck, you know, during his speech, you know, Matt and I collaborated on this beer. And, you know, I I, I can't just sort of stand there sort of basking in that sort of because it's bullshit. Like Chuck and I had but, a chat.
0: It was great. To, the, the thing for me, Matt, I think that was the most uh, enjoyable was that it was just like a, a spitball idea, you know, a brain. So oh, wouldn't it be funny, and then it turns into an actual beer, and that just shows, I think, uh, you know, what what we as as the independent or craft community can do that the the big guys just can't.
1: Well, it was the big guys doing it, though, Pete. It was... No, 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 but it was but it was the it was the small arm of the big guys. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, so so you wouldn't be able to go down to a Lidcombe and to knock out a batch, of, although I, I think I think Chuck quietly um, would love to see a bit of a groundswell after that um, and sort of see it picked up and sort of put out as part of his original beer, not the sort of uh, version that um, it it was. But, yeah, look, and it it was just a really interesting – it was a really nice night and a really interesting thing. And, you know, yeah, um, it it was just good fun. So if you get the chance, if you're in Brisbane, I don't think because of the licence that they operate under, the brewery can transfer beer to other venues, but they can't sell it because of the – way that i I don't know so if you're in brisbane go along try the Hahn. um it was a, just a beautiful lager lovely beer for summer um and, and uh, at, at at the charming squire at the charming squire in brisbane yeah so it was it was Got just it. lovely and uh yeah no. so then thank you to chuck who's cool. a legend uh a couple more letters
0: so james whelan on the facebook group as well re um the story about the algae um uh, questioned a lot of Bigger brewers recapture their CO2 to be used within the brewery, I thought.
1: Yes, and so that so was yes. what we talked about. So, James, please send in your email address if you haven't already got a bar blade.
0: Thanks for that. And Michael Morgan on the Facebook group, uh, read the Pirate Life Ice coffee ruling, which was uh, an ABEC ruling from, I think, two episodes ago now, or two two weeks ago now. Um, haven't read the ABEC ruling at all, but have to admit, it's just called Ice coffee milkshake. No IPA or pale ale or any other beer reference at all. Advertising-wise, yes, it's pretty ambiguous, which is a good point. From
1: Michael. Yeah, and that was in response. If you go back, and you know, I don't want to sort of go into it, I weighed into the, the comments probably a little bit more than I wanted to. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of angst about ABAC. Uh, to be fair, it does seem to be people who aren't in the industry. It seems to be people who are interested in the industry, you know, consumers and highly invested consumers who talk about ABAC being the fun police and ABAC should get a life. Um, but, yeah, so uh, Michael's comment was quite interesting.
0: Probably a good point at which to finish up this week's episode of Good Brews Week, Matt. It's going to be fairly busy because I've got uh, the Great Ameri, uh, Great GABF, Great Australian Beer Festival down at Geelong in the uh, in a a brand new uh, location for the first time in eight years. And then, Matt, of course, the weekend after that, Gabs Hottest 100 reveal, and we'll be up in uh, in Cairns on the wharf at Hemingways, doing our live. uh, And I saw, yeah, download the uh, Mixlr. Um, there's a link, I think, in the – we'll probably put it in the show notes as well. Um, but it will be great, yeah, if people can um, register their interest and they can give us questions to ask the guests or they can make their comments about and predictions about what they think might happen. We're going to come in just before the top 20 is announced and go live for a couple of
1: hours there and then for an hour afterwards. That's right. So last two hours of the countdown and then the hour afterwards for the post-game discussion. You know, again, Pete – I, I can't believe people want to listen to it but I, I keep telling myself oh, it's a little bit like the cricket you can have it on in the background um, or you know while you're doing your chores much the same as this so um, if you are interested if you want to hear you know first hand and in the heat of the emotion um, the, the reactions and, and, and that's for me, seeing the uh, emotions two years ago when we recorded at bolter, and you know Mick Fanning um, you know, was as, as excited as uh, you can imagine. Um, Joel Parkinson left a wedding to come in and sort of talk to us last year, seeing how nervous Scotty was um, in in the lead up to it. Um, that's one thing that we are able to do is capture a lot of the excitement and the emotions and um, in, in the heat of it. Um, so if you want to listen, um, jump on the website, you can download the Mixlr app. So that way you can sort of talk with your fellow beer lovers. You can communicate with us. We'll be monitoring it and relay your questions to our guests uh, as they're on the line and, um, or just you know listen, um, or otherwise it'll be at the website. So th- there'll, there'll be a variety of ways you can do it, or just download it as a podcast later.
0: Yeah, listen to listen listen back to it. Interesting guests. We've got a few of our um, our old standards who we like to speak to, but also a couple of um, interesting new guests that we're going to have a chat to about the uh, hottest one hundred this year. Yeah, absolutely. So- listening over on, on australia day thanks very much again to crime Malt to Rellings label stickers and packaging and to Beer cartel for sponsoring this and this is good brews week i've been your host pete mitchum he's been matt Kierkegaard, and thank you i uh, i reserve my greatest thanks for you the listeners for making it all worthwhile uh, have a good one matt thank you pete you too and uh, we'll see you all for the next episode and we're out